99.7 FM and online at oldhamcommunityradio.com and featuring all that's best from the King of Instruments. This is Community Keyboards with Ian Wollstonehall. this edition of Community Keyboards on air and online. Uh, one of our ever-popular celebrity sit-downs this time, and I'll introduce my special guest after he's played Crazy Island Swing on Yamaha Stadia. Thank you. 
Well, it seems quite strange to be able to chat with a guest face to face, finally, after all this time. Um, although we should be grateful for technology, which we've had over the last uh, 18 months or so. Delighted to be joined on Community Keyboards today by uh, Doctor, ah, no, we haven't said Doctor for many a moon, Chris Stanbury. Welcome to Community Hi, Keyboards. Ian. It's lovely to be here. Hi. <laughs> um, I appear to be saying this quite a lot, that, that some artists have thus far managed to avoid this wandering microphone of ours. Mm. Um, and it's odd, really, because, I mean, given the size of the organ and keyboard world, it, 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 it always bewilders me why our paths have never crossed. I'm mm. sure we were trying to remember this off air before. I tried to remember if we have. We must have bumped into each other somewhere along the line. I'm sure at some time or another we may have done. But it's, it's nice to finally get together. But here we are at Top Note Events in Harrogate, a very posh part of the world for people who don't know this, this area of North Yorkshire. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's Andrew and Tony's uh, Top Note event here, of course. And you're one of the star performers at the weekend. Well, I'm a performer, yes. Ah. Uh, but yeah, I am. And it's, it's lovely to be back. Um, it was last night I, I played for the first time since, I mean, obviously, you know, we were all in the same boat. I was working it out that it's been over, well, over at least a year since I was on a, on a stage playing. So um, last night was it, it was a huge experience in many different ways. It was nerve-wracking. I was going to say a bit more than perhaps... Yeah, I, I'd practised a lot um, beforehand, but you can't replace that sense of occasion you know you can play and practice at home and try and imagine what it's going to be like but it's only when you get up on stage you you know obviously how it's going to feel and it was fantastic it was really good it was uh, i think we lovely. said the the most well not necessarily the most important you you tell me but certainly one of the important uh, aspects of any performer's life on stage is to hopefully at least receive good feedback at the end of various numbers. <laughs> Fingers and crossed that yeah. should be the plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that, that went without saying, but just from your point of view as a, as, a, as a professional who's not had the opportunity to get feedback for mm. a year and a half, that mm. must have... Did, yeah, it, did it's it been, take you by surprise a little? Um, it's always great, you know, when, when you're out playing and, and you know that what you're doing is enjoyed by people. And for me, that's the, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, I always try and play and, and, and make sure that, that people have a nice time when they listen to want to play. So yes, it, it, gets, it gets lonely when you're at home. I mean, it's certainly, you know, there is a lot of effort required to want to go and, and play to just the cat, really, when you're at home, <laughs> because usually the cat doesn't like it at all. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's part of that thing. If, if it is a performance, it's you, and it's also the audience, and, and they are a part of it. And that's what makes it so wonderful, is that it's a, yes, it's a live event, but everyone is there in di doing different things. I'm obviously playing the, the keyboards and whatnot, but um, they're there enjoying and, and, as you say, you know, showing their appreciation, which is, is great. So your musical journey, Chris, let, let's, let's take you back to when you were knee-high to a grasshopper. Knee <laughs> I mean, what, 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 just tell us what, about the early introduction to music. Well, uh, it, I can say without a doubt, it was my dad. Um, my dad plays the piano and he plays the organ uh, and I always had done and actually although he'll never admit it he's, he's a, a lovely player actually and and it was it was him that, that he got me into it uh, I'm, I'm one of some of my earliest memories actually were of 
sitting on the stairs at home, refusing to go to bed because I wanted to hear my dad play the organ. And um, yeah, he, he was the one that took me to... I started on the piano first because I started when I was five. I went to a lovely old lady around the corner from us called Margaret Gabriel, bless her. And um, she, yeah, she, she obviously showed me from, from the very basics of, of how to play the piano. And as I got a little bit higher, taller, um, and I could reach the pedals, and, and Dad saw that I was interested in the organ, and said, right, well, let's go and see if we can find you some lessons. And at that time, organ lessons were fairly easy to find because mm-hmm. there was a, a network of well, organ shops at the time. I'm, I'm, you know, I can still remember in the the early to mid '80s, there was still quite a few organ shops around, and a lot of them had music teaching studios. Mm-hmm. And I was quite lucky that we lived uh, in in Croydon in London at the time, or close to Croydon, and we had Riverside Organ Studios, who were very very successful um, uh, back in the day, and they had a, a Yamaha Music School. And my dad took me along. I remember Saturday mornings going over to Croydon to see my teacher. There was a guy called Keith Herford, um, if I remember rightly. Keith used to play uh, at Lewisham Town Hall. He was an um, organist there. They had a wonderful Compton organ there. But he also used to teach mm. at, at Yamaha Music Schools. And the Yamaha system was, was fantastic. Uh, really well designed, uh, enjoyable. And uh, it was a great foundation and I still think it, it, to this day, the Yamaha teaching system is, is still probably one of the best. And they had, of course, at the festival that they yeah. used to to host both yeah. locally, nationally yeah. and internationally back Absolutely. then. And you, uh, you participated in that, what, about 11 years of age or something like that? Yeah, I, I did it for a couple of years. I, I think the first time I did it, I was 11 in 1991. Um, and I, I managed to win through to, you had to send off tapes. Um, <laughs> they all taped auditions and if you were selected you then um, were invited to go to play at a festival and um, yes the, f- the first year I did it I ended up at uh, Solly Hall Conference Centre which I don't think is there anymore but it was a very large venue particularly for an 11 year old kid um, played on a stage and um, the second year I did it uh, it was a slightly different structure mm. and it was a competition for the second year we had a junior and a senior category, and I won the UK junior category. So it was it was really exciting because you you got invited to the Yamaha at Milton Keynes. It felt like you were, you know, you'd arrived, you'd made it. You know, you you were at Yamaha Milton Keynes, and then we played there, and then I was selected, and, and um, I ended up at the Queen Elizabeth Hall in London, oh, actually. Sharp which is breath. Wow. Wow. But I mean, it was it was absolutely. I mean, it's one of those life memories yeah, I remember. And it was wonderful. It was really wonderful. And um, I'm very lucky and very privileged to have been probably the last of that generation of young musicians who were able to take the electronic organ to that. As a serious Yeah, and, and it actually yeah. you, you still had the opportunities to, you know, to play in those sorts of venues.
Chris Stanbury and a recording of Someone to Watch Over Me made back in 2002 on Grosvenor Records on the Yamaha EL900 organ, pretty much at the start of his career. I'll be back with Chris after this break. You're listening to Community Keyboards on Oldham Community Radio 99.7 FM with Ian Wollstoneholm. And welcome back to the programme where, after the familiar Ted Heath Big Band signature tune, my guest Chris Stanbury continues with Hot Toddy and East of the Sun on Yamaha Stagia. Thank you. 
I mean, there are some some really brilliant initiatives um, out there. I mean, obviously not on the same scale because, mm. of course, the thing with the Yamaha system was that there was there was you had the investment of a multinational company behind it. You know, mm. but I mean, a good friend of mine and I'm professional player Michael Wardridge is, is doing some fantastic work down uh, on the south coast at Rye there's a school uh, I think it's um, Rye um, he's going to Rye Academy Rye, Rye Academy that's yeah. right it used to be a grammar school now it's Rye Academy um, and he's got it's a high school mm. and it's one of the very few schools who that actually has a word it's an organ in the school which is fantastic and Michael's proved that if you have an instrument it doesn't matter you know what it is uh, if you you know, coach it in the right way and you infuse the kids yeah. and he's done a brilliant job there. They can find uh, interest and enjoyment in playing in any instrument at all and it's amazing what he's doing to carry on the, the organ tradition. So speaking of, of, of theatre, organ, mm. uh, Chris, you're, you're one of a handful of players these days, young players who are, are quite happily at home on both pipes and electronics. <laughs> um, I, th- I think we mentioned Yamaha, and there's kind of a tenuous link here because Len Roll mm. um, was very much um, a helpful springboard of Len will forgive very me so. uh, describing him very in those so. terms. Just tell us about that experience. How did, how did that come about? and How well, did you get into theatre organ music? It was actually through Yamaha because my teacher, Keith, he played theatre organ a little bit and he said, you know, he said... You, you, know, you should really try and, and play other different types of organ. Now, I didn't even know that there were other mm. types of organ at that time. <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, you should ring up uh, Len Rawl. Because um, at the time, Len, I think I'm right in saying, was the director of Yamaha Music Schools. And my dad did. He, he managed to get hold of Len's number and, and rang Len out of the blue. And, you know, Len couldn't have been more helpful. He said, oh, come over. I've got one in my house. Yes, <laughs> it wasn't just any lesser in the house. It was one of the largest, you know. And I remember at the time I was, again, it was around about 11, um, sat at this magnificent Wurlitzer organ. I mean, I was, I was small, so I sort of sat inside the console in a sense because I remember the console sort of shaping around me as I was trying to play. And Len sat next to me on the bench and he showed me the different things and he said you know this is really no different to what you're used to and he again he he just had a lovely way of presenting things in a enthusiastic but but straightforward way mm. and it, it it lit something in me which I've, I've i've loved ever since really it was wonderful and you went on to uh win a, a the, the cup, Christie Christie Cup, cup yeah. at the ATOS. Yeah, well, the timing Festival. wasn't quite right because the ATOS competition was always in the early September, the beginning of school term, and I had only seen Len. I think it was around about July or August, and he said, "Oh, don't worry, I'll get you in. I'll get you in. I'll get you in." And it, so I had about six weeks, I think, to to go from never having played a, a theatre organ at all to to. At the time, it was at the the uh, Canon Cinema in Harrow which is now a gym, but however, because it's a listed building, the organ is still there, I think, although it's unfortunately not accessible. But at the time, it was a wonderful Art Deco cinema, Mm. a huge cavernous place with a Wurlitzer organ inside it. And I remember uh, climbing up, literally climbing up to the console to play after only having, you know, really practised on one for six weeks. So that was amazing.
So you wanted to go into more sort of academic studies and off, off you toddled to college. Yes. What was that experience like? It was brilliant. Um, but I mean, I, I, went, I went to college as an electronic organist. And actually, my best experiences, apart from one, the best experiences I had were really nothing to do with the organ at all. And it might sound strange, but actually, it was great because I got a chance to play in the, the, the college big band. I sang in a choir. I got a chance to arrange for different instruments. And they, the, the college at the time put on concerts, every, two concerts a week. So it used to have professional musicians come in and play a concert and of course we could all go in for free and, and watch them and they used to talk about what they were doing and it was incredible because it obviously gave me loads of, of context and mm. knowledge about other instruments yes. and I met some great people there some of the best people I've ever known have come through that contact the great thing about college was that it was all mostly uh, different categories styles of, of music um, but of course there was a part of it that I had to study the organ and I'm very fortunate that I had someone to teach me who who really did help me an awful lot in getting into the circuit and also showed me, coached me and how to present and how to choose pieces and that was Janet Dowsett, a lovely, lovely player, now a, a music examiner as well but I think the, the great thing with Jan was that she she has a fantastic sense of presentation I remember her working as a compare for the ATOS and also for the Yamaha events and her sense of the importance of presenting things um, and the way you present and the way you select pieces and and just basically I think we're guess I'm talking about stagecraft and and as well as arranging music to be entertaining um, was was really helpful and meeting people like Jan and, and others on the course and seeing how they worked as musicians um, was probably as valuable in my musical education as actually studying the dots and the theory. I mean, did you ever... We introduced you right at the start of the programme, yep. Dr Chris Stanbury. <laughs> and you all you smile about it. <laughs> I do, because... Uh, but it's a title to be proud of. Did you ever yeah. want to go kind of... Having gone through the college process, fully headlong into academia, do you think, Chris? Yeah, I did. I did, but unfortunately, for, for one reason or another, it, 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 hasn't, it hasn't worked. I mean, it may work in the future, I'm, I'm rather hoping. I, I would love to be a, a university lecturer at some point, and that's always what I wanted to do. The difficulty is that it's a very difficult environment to, to get into, unless you... I mean, I, I did my PhD, and I was working at, at part-time at university, but the university changed, and they cut back on a lot of their music courses, including mine, which was unfortunate um, which meant that there wasn't the same opportunity for me to, to stay on and do other things so I mean we'll see I mean it was fantastic and uh, you know people say oh Dr Chris and I still, I still think like oh, really how did, how did that happen but uh, it was a great experience um, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity to, to do all that because I really enjoyed it it was what I I mean when I first started we were always encouraged to to get those sorts of qualifications and I thought well that's all great if you're a you know a musician that's you know classically based or if you you know if you're a composer I'm sure you've got loads of stuff you can write on but I'm an organist you know what <laughs> what is there that I can do but I thought about it and I mean you'll know more than I about this that you know there isn't really a lot documented about 
the players of the past and the way they played and the instruments and it's only through archives that you yourself have built up and, and a few others that actually we get to know about what the wonderful music was of you know 20 30 years ago so i started to think well you know let's imagine that that we're sort of 50 years ahead and someone sees one of these organs in, a, in dusty in the corner and they've no idea what it is and and what it stood for, and who who's, who used to play these things, yeah. you know, people. I mean, great players like, I don't know, Jerry Allen and Harry Stoneham, um, you know, all the, the, the wonderful uh, musicians at the time who were organists, but also musical directors as well on TV. And, you know, they all, I mean, you could spend all day talking about famous players from the past, but, you know, th there isn't much around that really records how brilliant and significant they were so that's really what my the the phd and the doctoral research was all about it was basically writing a book about them and how they played and, and what they played A couple of classic wireless memories there, Puffin Billy from Children's Favourites and The Devil's Gallop, of course, Dick Barton, Special Agent. And uh, Chris Stanbury back in conversation with me after this. On air at 99.7 FM and online at oldhamcommunityradio.com, this is Community Keyboards with Ian Wollstoneholm. And back we go to the Cedar Court Hotel in Harrogate, where a few weeks ago I chatted with Chris Stanbury. This is the artist on his stage year electone with the 2003 hit for Katie Melua, The Closest Thing to Crazy.
Well, here we are in 2021, <laughs> to bring, bring us really up to date now. And, and you're amongst, of course, a well-known list of popular keyboard stars who make regular appearances at societies and festivals like this. Mm. It's always a tricky question, Chris, and it doesn't exactly encourage modesty. But go on, I'll ask you what the heck. <laughs> what makes Chris Stanbury, doctor or not, a, a unique name on that list? Oh, depends who you ask, really. <laughs> no, I think you should, put you should on ask, the spot. ask my wife about that. She'd have an opinion. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I'm, I've never really thought of myself as, as unique. I, I just like to... I, I'm, I do feel privileged to be a musician and I love what I do and I think in life that's if you can say that that's uh, something to be thankful for I mean being a musician doesn't mean just playing you know for all societies and, and that although that is wonderful and probably one of the highlights of what I do um, it's also teaching I do a lot of teaching at school which I find very rewarding um, to you know, it doesn't matter if I'm teaching a beginner or an advanced player, just to see see some improvement and encouragement, and the fact they enjoy it, brilliant. Uh, you know, and I, I also get to do other things as well that are, are based upon maybe it might be promoting instruments or helping people use an instrument. So I, I wouldn't say I was unique. I just I, I think what's what I quite like about what I do is that it, it does have many different areas which keeps everything interesting, mm-hmm. which I think is useful. Is that the, the old phrase, variety is the spice of life. Exactly. You know, it, it, it's true, I think. Very true. I mean, we're talking at a, a point, which will go down in history, no doubt, talking of <laughs> documenting these things, uh, post-coronavirus, uh, when the organ and keyboard scene has had to learn to adapt mm. and adopt new ways of, of getting themselves out there. Mm. Um, depending on how you, you you approach this and who you speak to, there's a lot of positivity and equally lots of concerns regarding the long-term flourishing of our well, hobby, interest, job, whatever we, we think about it. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? I'm quite optimistic. I think it will change. I think the way, as you said, the way that we, we, we play and find audiences may change. It's very easy to say, oh, you know, the organ is declining in popularity and... I'm not sure that's entirely true. I mean, you know, in terms of a global audience, there are places like, you know, China and Japan where the organ is, is very, very popular because it's promoted. I think that's the, yeah. that's the answer to that. And things like the online platforms like YouTube, I mean, if you go on YouTube, you, you, know, you, you can see <laughs> literally <laughs> thousands of young people playing Hammond organs, for example, really enjoying keyboards. So I think... In terms of demand for the instrument, it's there. I, th- I think the, the uh, demand for organ clubs and societies will continue. I was talking to a couple here uh, last night to say, "Oh, we've, we've only this is our second festival. We've only really known about this scene for you know the last two or three years." Mm-hmm. So I think the challenge, perhaps, is really to compete with everyone else's pastimes <laughs> to really convince people to get them through the door because once you get them through the door the chances are they'll enjoy it and come back um, it's one of the oldest problems that this this industry has it's if you say to someone on the street oh I, I come to an organ club they think well what on earth is that and how do you get that message across I think that's the challenge I think once they know about it it's, it's well as the academy at Rye has proven you know once you show young people what the instrument can do and how enjoyable it is to play. 
you know, that's the job done. Mm. It's, you've secured the instrument's future. So I am optimistic. There are changes, but I think that's trivial things in life, isn't it, really? Yeah. You know. Before we go, we'll just spin this conversation back right to the start and the dear old lady who taught you to play the piano <laughs> in those halcyon days, Chris. Yes. Um, again, we're now looking at... Uh, le- anyone can learn to play the piano with Dr Chris. Yes. This was your own yeah. endeavour. How successful has that been? Because oh. I know that was your you work with Casio, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Well, I, I, part of my work now is with Casio, um, and uh, I'm very, very pleased to be with them, actually. I've been working for them for freelance for a number of years and, and now join the team permanently on a part-time basis, which is great. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the the online lessons we did very quickly, again, at the start of the COVID outbreak, as a way of, of trying to help people because... You know, obviously, there was no way you could go and play music. And we could see from the sales of pianos and keyboards that there were a lot of people buying something. To, you know, that so many people had obviously wanted to play a keyboard or wanted to play a piano at some time or another. And for whatever reason, had never got around to it. But were now, obviously, finding they needed something to get them through the dark times. So... I was duly given the task of, uh, oh, well, you, you teach piano, you can do some <laughs> online lessons. On, hey, and it's on Facebook, and it's on... Do you know about Facebook? Uh, well, oh, I, I, not, well, I know about Facebook, but this life thing, what's that? And, um, you know, it was, oh, well, yeah, every Friday at 10 o'clock, you're going to go live, and you're going to do a lesson. Well, how do I know who's watching? Well, you don't. Well, how do I know if they're getting it right? Well, you don't. So you kind of had to, yeah, you were doing a lesson, and then, but you had to imagine what they were doing, you know, because you couldn't see what they were doing at home. No idea. So you had to sort of plan the lesson, taking into account the sorts of things that I know from teaching experience they might get wrong and trying to explain it in the hope that they don't get it wrong and of course there was all the technical pressures of servers going down and everybody on the internet at the same time but um it was really popular and i think the the great thing for me about it was of course with with the facebook you can see the comments and and the the comments there's so many lovely comments i've saved them because it was so nice to look back on them and saying, "Look, I've, I'm, you know, I'm in my 80s. I've always wanted to play the piano. I've never done it, but you've you've helped me to make the first steps. And uh, you know, I've never felt confident enough to want to ask for lessons. I really love playing the keyboard in very basic ways, but thank you. And that made it all incredibly rewarding. Yeah, it, yeah. probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done, actually. Um, but at the same time, one of the most nerve-wracking with technology and everything else it was uh it was tough going but but worth it i, I we did actually do a couple of series because after the first series i said oh thank goodness never again and uh, they said you know what that's really popular would you mind doing that oh no in um, for a penny yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely wonderful chris thank you ever so much for sharing yeah, some of these welcome. little stories i know our listeners to the program always enjoy uh, meeting the, the the voice in this case, as, as our host here, Andrew, said earlier on when we were setting up this little interview in this very nice room here, it must be said. He said, sit near the window because <laughs> the view's very good for radio. <laughs> well, <laughs> but uh, yeah. the conversation's been delightful. Thank no, you very so much for being my guest today, to you Thank you very much. Thank you.
Tequila, performed by Chris Stanbury. And as ever, I hope you enjoyed our conversation at the recent Top Note Organ Weekend in Harrogate. Now, if you'd like more information about these events, which are presented by Andrew Nix and Tony Stace, then do call 01757 708 509. 01757 708 509. And that's just about it for this edition. A reminder, you can listen again to anything you might have missed by going to the oldhamcommunityradio.com player or catch up via the programme's podcast at anchor.fm forward stroke community keyboards. And of course it's available too from wherever you usually obtain your podcasts. You can contact us via email to communitykeyboards at gmail.com or a note to P.O. Box 997 Oldham OL19EB will find us. And to keep up to date with news and information in between shows, head over to the Community Keyboards Facebook page. For the moment, this is Ian Wollstenholme saying thanks very much for listening. Take care, all the best and bye-bye.